This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Value Inspiration Podcast. My name is Ton Dobber, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration. The purpose of my company is to help business software companies rethink what can be to become remarkable again. The goal that I have with this podcast is to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. So my strong belief is that we can think big, and therefore we should. And doing so will help to create a better world for all of us. This podcast is all about that. The guest of my podcast this week is Naomi Goldapple, Director of Industry Solutions at Element AI. The big idea behind the company, if I had to sum it up in one word, was really to democratize the access to AI. One of the issues that, that, are, that is happening right now is, you know, many people are getting excited about AI. However, there really isn't enough talent out there. They are usually ported away very quickly by the tech giant manufacturing industry, insurance, other industries that are not one of the tech giants, they really don't have access to this talent. So our role was really to concentrate in some of those verticals, build products specifically for them and kind of allow them to leverage these technologies to really improve their businesses. This is Naomi. Naomi's career combines technology and business consultancy and entrepreneurship. Her specialties are business and growth strategies, product commercialization, and marketing plans. She has an international MBA specializing in development markets in Latin America from the School of Business, as well as a Bachelor of Commerce from the McGill University. She was a director of e-business for Royal LePage Commercial, one of Canada's largest commercial real estate companies. She then started up and ran Mama, Bebe et Café, which won various awards and worked at Modelcom using her expertise to help technology entrepreneurs with strategy and financing. Naomi also was the VP of Business Development at Nexology, responsible for commercializing the suite of products, forcing channel partnerships and growing the sales. Nexology developed a next generation software for mining, cleaning and analyzing unstructured data with powerful data sculpting capabilities. And this experience has led to her current venture as the program director of Element AI, an innovative model that works with and creates companies that are leveraging artificial intelligence. The goal is to spin out hundreds of AI-first companies in Canada over the next five years. And this triggered me, hence I invited Naomi to my podcast. We explore how the momentum around AI is picking up fast, but how various industries experience significant challenges to get access to AI talent and in line with that, to solutions. We discuss how Element AI is solving this issue and how this is helping chronically understaffed industries, but also how it helps attack large global problems such as safety and climate change. By listening to this interview, you will learn three things. Firstly, that significant value can be delivered to the quality of human work by using AI to eliminate the dull, the dangerous, and the dirty work. Secondly, 
why it is key to first learn about the impact AI can deliver rather than to regulate it upfront. And thirdly, how the sum of the parts will be far greater when every organization in the world takes an active approach to share its data with its peers. So Naomi, thank you very much for joining my podcast today. I've been reading into your organization and the organization that you represent, Element AI. But before we start, can you do a little bit of an introduction about who you are and what are your passions all about? Yeah, sure. So Naomi Goldapple, I am right now, I'm the director for everything that is transportation and logistics in artificial intelligence at Element AI. And I'm one of the few who's been at Element AI since the beginning. So we were about six people just under two and a half years ago, and now we're almost 550 people. So we have had incredible growth. It's been quite the the rocket ship ride over the past few years, but very exciting. And we're we're really, you know, making some some breakthrough technologies, which I think really will help businesses and humankind in general. That's cool to hear. That's exactly what this podcast, of course, is all about. But of course, that's why you're on it. So, I mean, tell me a little bit more about uh, Element AI. What is the big idea behind the company? So the big idea behind the company, if I had to sum it up in one word, was really to democratize the access to AI. One of the issues that, that, are, that is happening right now is, you know, many people are getting excited about AI. However, there really isn't enough talent out there. You know, people who are learned and comfortable in machine learning, and especially in actually implementing and scaling these type of solutions. The people who are studying this type of research in universities, it's great, but they are usually ported away very quickly by the tech giants. So, you know, the Facebooks, the Googles, the Amazons, the Ubers, the Baidus, they offer very large salaries to attract these people. And what that does is that leaves the rest of the kind of business community. So, you know, the manufacturing industry, insurance, other industries that are not one of the tech giants, they really don't have access to this talent. So it's very hard for them to get this talent internally. So our role was really to concentrate in some of those verticals build products specifically for them and kind of allow them to leverage these technologies to really improve their businesses. Okay. So, I mean, do I understand well that the solutions that you offer are, are shrink wrap solutions or is it like components that you can then start to use to, to create other types of solutions? Yeah, so it's a great question. The, so and one, of the, one of the key differentiators or the, the way that we're built is really the, it's built on the marriage of academic research and operational code. So we we actually have about 27 or so, we call them academic fellows. So these are full-time professors who give us about 15 to 20 hours of their time per month to work on the hardest problems that we have that are that our customers give to us. So what we do is we're always at the kind of, we know the cutting edge research that's coming out of the universities, but our role is really to turn that into operational code. So we have a fundamental research lab, an applied research lab, and all that research goes into our core components. So we don't just use sort of open source technology that's out there. We build everything from ground up so that our products are truly innovative. 
And what we've been doing over the past two years is really building these core components. So we have, you know, core components in natural language processing, core components in vision and, you know, specifically OCR, core components in time series, in operations research. We also have a group that concentrates on representation learning, explainability. So these core components become are what's input into our products. So if you think of it as a Lego set, if we need, you know, let's say document processing capability for the insurance industry, you know, then we use our components from OCR and from NLP. If we need those same components for transportation and logistics to handle, you know, bills of lading and manifests and other types of document processing, we call upon those same components. So it's really like a Lego step so we can quickly whip up these products. And of course, the interfaces and, you know, the KPIs that correspond to that particular company's processes will be different. And so the models will have to be tweaked to accommodate, but they're all built on the same components and are delivered through the same platform. So I mean, on your website, it says, we deliver AI software products that augment decisions to make your business stronger, safer, and more agile. Can yeah. you give an example of that for, for in the area that you're responsible for, for transport and logistics? Yeah, sure. So, you know, if, if we speak of, let's say in the world of rail, so there have been you know, we always hear there's just a, a recent derailment that we just that we just heard about. There's always, you know, safety safety issues. The, the rail companies have, you know, there's usually one or two actual people on these very large freight trains that have, yeah. you know, 100 cars or so. And, you know, we know from where we are in Quebec, in Canada, there was a, a terrible accident a few years ago, which was called Megantique, which, you know, flattened a village and was a, a very horrible accident. Wow. But there's there's very clear regulations that have come into play. They're all under the banner of something called PTC, which is positive train control. And this is putting everything in place so that if certain conditions are not met, then the train will actually stop. Right. So the, the things, things that will be put in place so that we can improve safety and a lot of the ways that this is going to happen in an automated fashion is using AI technologies, for example, like vision platforms. So, you know, being able to identify certain things on tracks, for example, you know, trespassers or certain lights and signals that yep. potentially a human could miss or is very much dependent on a human seeing it and identifying it today, that this can be done in an automated fashion, you know, by having literally these systems mounted on cameras on the trains so that in real time it can make those decisions. And this is really on the way for trains, you know, becoming autonomous as well. So whereas you don't have to rely on humans to, you know, be awake and make those decisions where the trains will be able to, to make those decisions on their own and th this will be ultimately safer. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the foundation for my podcast is is to kind of to share those ideas that are about augmenting the unique strength of people, typically because people are afraid of losing their job. Do you have any example of an augmentation example that is about yeah, augmenting the strength of human beings so that yeah, these, these people can do things they've never been able to do before? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we always say that, you know, AI, definitely the way it is today, right, the narrow AI that's available today, it's not there, like our purpose is definitely not to, you know, reduce headcount, right, it really is to take away the parts of jobs, like make them less repetitive, less dangerous, and ultimately more, more stimulating and more fulfilling for people. So this is this is really where it's at, it's at today. So for example, you know, in the, the world of insurance, 
The insurance industry also is, is you know, chronically understaffed, right? They're always looking for more, you know, clients and claims adjudicators and things like that, because some of the work can be very tedious and, you know, may not particularly well paid. And they always need more people to do these types of jobs. But these types of jobs can be automated. So, you know, when you have claims that come in, some of them can be so binary, right? So black and white that really a system could be able to tell right away whether this should be, you know, paid out right away or not, for example. But many times you do need human intelligence there. But what the human can do is that it can just route the ones that are, that need adjudication as opposed to, you know, 100% of them. And then the human can actually tweak the parameters to say, you know what, what is my threshold? Like if this particular, you know, if, if this claim has ABC and the system is 80% positive about these particular fields, then I don't have to look at it. Or you know what, I'm a little more careful. I would like, I would like it to be only if it's comfortable over 65%, then I want to look at it. Right. So it's not just that it augments the decisions, but the human is so much in the loop that they can actually control the thresholds that they want the system to be able to do automatically for them. Yeah, I agree with that. So what do you believe is the opportunity if you get this right? I mean, your approach is an interesting one that you are kind of building these components and with the components, you create various solutions for various industries. Have you been doing any research in terms of, you know, how the world will look like if this is like put in place? How would the world look like? Well, you know, hopefully down down the line, there will be, you know, jobs in general will have changed. So the nature of work will have changed. Like hopefully we'll be moving away from a lot of the, you know, the document heavy industries that are still still out there today. I mean, that that's like a, you know, people have been talking about that forever, right? In terms of just automation in general, but the ability to actually take the important information and get it in a system faster and be able to make decisions, that will be a game changer. I mean, that'll be a game changer, you know, how, how it impacts our climate. If we literally can get rid of more paper, then we literally can, you know, stop cutting down so many trees. Like there's, there's many impacts there. So sure. I see a lot of impacts with artificial intelligence that can really help climate change as well, which is something that we're we're aiming for. So, for example, one of the other you know projects that that, that we've deployed is we're working with you know a port that has trouble with a lot of congestion, which most ports have a lot of trouble with congestion. Yeah. But you know, trucks arrive every day to pick up containers and drop off containers, right? And they try and time this when when vessels are arriving. But many times, and and they have apps that will tell them what's the wait time at the port right now, so they don't have to wait to get into the terminals. But those wait times are very inaccurate, right? Because they're more just like a snapshot on where we're at right now. So we were approached to say, can you help us to make our wait times more accurate so that the trucking, so the whole process can be more optimized and also so that we can avoid trucks sitting there idling for two hours just waiting because some of these trucks have to idle right if these are refrigerated trucks they can't just turn off their engines they need to to keep going so this is huge emissions into the atmosphere when you have trucks idling waiting to get into a port so that's just an example of how how this can impact by improving the accuracy of the wait times then dispatchers can time things better and things can be more optimal Fascinating. Yeah, I mean, there's so many opportunities and people have to start getting getting their head around like what is really possible. So, I mean, looking at what you've been doing, you've been founded in 2016. So that's two years, two and a half years down the road right now. Your solutions, well, your suite is now there. What do you believe are the, 
were the most important things that were put into the solution to, well, to do what it does today? Well, and it's, it's still being built, right? I mean, there, there's some, you know, the name of the game in AI really is data, right? So sure. usually where, where people are blocked is, you know, access to, access to large data sets. But companies, companies have really been investing a lot in, you know, big data, big data for the past decade. We've heard a lot about that. So there are a lot of companies who are, who are ready with their data lakes, with their, with, you know, data that's available. It has to be in certain formats. It has to be clean. It has to be, there's, you know, that's some, some data massaging that has to happen. But what's very important is, you know, make sure, making sure that the data that we're using doesn't have bias data included, because we want to make sure that our, our algorithms are, are fair, right? So, you know, in the example, you know, people always use the example of, you know, mortgages where if a system is trained on data from only certain demographic areas, so certain area codes that are maybe more affluent and higher revenues from those households, then if somebody applies for a mortgage from less affluent or different area codes that are not perceived as positive by the algorithm because it wasn't trained on that, then it may automatically reject. And that's not, that's not fair, right? Because you have to be able to expose it to a wide enough data set so that it doesn't, we don't introduce bias into the, into the algorithms. Another area that's been, that's very important is the whole area of sort of representation learning or transfer learning. So being able to use the learnings from bigger data sets and then transfer them over onto, onto models where we don't have as much data. So for example, you can use data and train sort of the bottom layers of deep learning systems on data that is not specific to your cause. So to give an example, with, from one of our actual sister companies, they're looking for, they do advanced detection of, you know, cancerous tumors in, when you have a colonoscopy, they're looking for polyps, right? So yeah. they try to identify benign and malignant polyps. And every year there are some malignant, some benign polyps that are misdiagnosed and therefore they go and they try to remove them, right? And this can be, this can be very dangerous. True. So they want to train a system to be able to better identify which ones are benign and which ones are malignant, but there's not enough data. They don't have enough images of different types of benign and malignant ones to be able to train a system. But what they did realize is that kind of the size and the shape of a polyp is about the same as a human eyeball. And there they have a lot of data. There's a lot of open data out there of, you know, human faces and eyeballs. So what you can do is you can actually train your bottom layers on the shapes and the contours of eyeballs and then you take those learnings and you can use that on a model where you want to train the 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 deeper layers on the more specialized data where you have smaller data sets of these malignant ones but you can marry that up so you can actually borrow borrow learnings from other data sets to augment when you don't have enough data and you can also do use create your own data so manufacturing synthetic data right from smaller data sets to actually augment it. So all of that is very important. And the big fear, you know, people talk a lot about AI is they talk about, you know, the black box, right? That we can't see into it. So we have a whole group that really concentrates on what we call what's called like explainability. So the ability to be able to peek into the model and methods so that people won't feel fearful and they'll be able to trust it better because if they know why it's making those decisions, then they'll trust it more. Yeah, I had a discussion as well with, with Robin Grosset from MindBridge. 
Yeah. Which was, of course, about auditing. And I mean, an auditor needs to be able to represent himself or herself in court sometimes. And then you need to have full backup in terms of how a decision was made. So this is really important. It's something that I hear more and more in the, in the podcast that I do. So, I mean, from the work that you've been doing, and I mean, since this is so new to the marketplace, what always fascinates me is, is how does the market react to this? So what have you learned from selling this? So, you know, and it's funny because it's been for the past couple of years, and I, I can say two years ago when we really just, you know, we were, we, we, we were out there, companies were really like, what is AI? I don't even know what it is, right? Like, I feel like I should be thinking about it, but I don't know what it is. So we had to spend a lot of time doing education, you know, definitely, definitely in the first year to get people up to speed, to know why this is important and to know really to, to, to demystify what it is. And then I found over the past year, it's amazing how sophisticated companies have, have gotten. There's a lot of information out there that the whole world of AI is extremely collaborative and open, right? Like all the papers are on open archive. People, people can look at what they want. There's a lot of sharing. So that really accelerates people's understanding of it so we've learned that but we have we have learned that there is fear and we have learned that the way to introduce it is really in baby steps right is to you know do little pilot you know little beta tests little pilot projects and also make sure that there's a lot of change management for companies as well so you know kickoffs it needs to come from the top so that everybody understands why we're embracing these technologies and that it's not to take away jobs it's to make things you know, easier or better, but it has to be, it has to be done slowly so that people will, will really accept it. The other important thing is the actual interfaces, sort of like the human interaction with it has to be very seamless. So, you know, we don't, we don't realize how much technology is in our phones, like how much AI is in our phones every day, because it's designed in a way that it doesn't jar us, right? When, when Google already tells me where I should be, or, you know, suggests the next sentence that should be in my in my email it doesn't jar me because it's done so seamlessly right we need to make sure that everything is designed in a way that will promote trust and actually improve the the operations yeah promote trust is a, is a big one as well yeah interesting huh i mean how, how quickly the world is well is being educated and how, how they are picking up on this Absolutely. So from, from the work that you've been doing in logistics and transports and so what have you been most proud of seeing you know as a result most proud of seeing. I mean, I mean, you know, it's very, it's very gratifying to actually see even like a change in mindset, you know, like working with like seeing how at the beginning you had to really demystify and uh-huh. explain that, you know, this isn't about killer robots. It's not about it. It's, and, and for them to actually see how this could benefit that that's been, that's been very rewarding. Like the, the thing is about AI is that it actually works, which is really, which is really nice. But no, it's, you know, sometimes there's some, some hyped up technologies, but the thing is that it does work and to see how companies are now starting to organize themselves and starting to, you know, we've been meeting more and more directors of AI, you know, organizations that are getting their, their kind of their data science shops in order to be able to feed machine learning systems. So it's, it's really amazing to see just over the past year and a half, how quickly companies are mobilizing to do that. So it's, it's nice to see everybody starting to embrace it. Yeah, I mean, they, they start to realize it does work and that it, it also, that it provides them a competitive advantage. Well, that's it. And I'm gonna be kind of left behind if I don't, right? Exactly, exactly. So I mean, kind of going from, from those, those examples, from the things that you've learned, what would you advise leaders of company of companies to do different, to think different, to ask different? I think, you know, it has to like, A, definitely like, like embrace it, 
right? Like, don't be afraid of it because it's not going away. So, you know, like there's certain technologies where you're like, ah, maybe it's just a hype and it'll go away. Like, I don't know, I didn't hop onto the virtual reality thing. Maybe I don't have to worry about it because it'll just go back into a corner, right? But yeah. this this really is quite fundamental and it's, it's not going to change. It's, it won't change. So, so you better jump on, but you know, like embrace it, learn about it, do it in baby steps and you will see how it, it can really impact your businesses. You know, like understand that where AI is today, like, you know, it's called narrow AI because it's, you know, you teach the system to do something very specific and it will do it better than humans, but it's very, very narrow, their understanding. The systems were, were nowhere near the world of general AI, where systems can really understand the full context and be able to make decisions like humans. We're extremely far away from that. But I think the big thing to tell companies as well is like share your data, open, open it up, right? Like open up a lot of the data because the more the data is shared, the more innovation happens that really benefits everybody. So you mean organizations sharing what they have with their peers? Sharing um, what they have with their peers, sharing it, sharing it with the research community, you know, like just sharing some of the raw data. Of course, you know, things can be anonymized, they, like right, to, to protect people and to protect all that. But, you know, your data doesn't have to be like you're necessarily your competitive advantage, just the fact that you have it. It's really what you do with it. And if you open it up, then there's so many, there's so many innovations that will happen. I mean, we're definitely, this is like in the world of healthcare, this is an, an absolute, right? Because the more data that is out there, the more that these innovations can actually save lives and help people, help people and improve the healthcare system. So this is where, you know, we're actively working with governments to help them to be like, hey, you know, you need to regulate this industry so that people will feel comfortable, but you need to understand it first. But you need to understand how much benefit there is to sharing this data rather than trying to lock it away, even from the people whose you know, bodies it comes from, right? Like, look how far Google has gotten. Like, Google knows so much about us. True. Everybody does. And yet we have so little visibility on our own data for our own bodies. Right? <laughs> Yeah, that's a big one. That's an interesting one in itself. Could be a podcast in itself. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> so, I mean, in, in respect of time, what do you believe is next? You know, where, where, what is your greatest aspiration in your own role or, or with the company? Well, I mean, you know, there's like what's next with the technology. Like in terms of what's next with the technology is is the whole, you know, the whole idea of contextualization. So the, the AIs you know, understanding more and more about its world and about its the context. We're seeing leaps and bounds and it's and it's very exciting to see that. I mean, I actually, I own a Tesla. So, it, you know, becomes like another, another child because you can see it grow and it's unbelievable to actually see how much every update you get, how much more it learns and how much more it learns about the world around it. Wow. Where, you know, and, and that, that's, that's really quite amazing. So I think that's where we're going, that the, the systems are going to be able to understand more and more about the contexts and will be able to actually make suggestions to us. So I'm going to see, I see like, you know, this really nice symbiosis and, and, and augmentation of decisions that the systems will be able to do for us. Cool. So if there's anyone in the podcast that, uh, that can help you, what, what would you ask? Again, I mean, it's mostly about the data. Really, the ask would be, you know, share your data, be engaged in open systems, because there's a lot to gain. Kind of what you're saying, that one plus one is equal to three. There's a lot more to be gained in sharing than the kind of some of the parts. Understood. So where can people go to find out more about Element AI and Connect with you? Elementai.com. 
you can find everything you need. And please reach out to me, Naomi at elementai.com. Very easy. It's a simple one. Thank you very much for your inspiring insights. I mean, I, I learned a, gr- a great number of things again. That's, that's good. always good. It was good. a pleasure, pleasure so for me. Very, thank you so much. It was a pleasure on my side. Thanks. And for everybody listening today, thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Naomi Goldapple, Director of Industry Solutions at Element AI. The goal of this podcast is to share compelling ideas and showcases to inspire what can be when technology and people blend in the right way. It's my strong belief that too much focus is put on automating people out of a process, in other words, cutting costs, rather than scenarios where the unique strength of people are augmented with technology to change the established rules and to deliver a value that was unimaginable before. So with this podcast, I want to make a contribution to change this to create a broader awareness of what can be, to accelerate the adoption by bringing together you, a tribe of like-minded people and organizations, and lastly, to accelerate the initiatives and solutions that could be created because one idea inspires the other. So if you know about stories that are worth sharing, please send me a message. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas, and that starts with you. If you want to have more information, read my blogs, or obtain information on working with me, just visit me on my website, valueinspiration.com. Thank you for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast or provide me with your feedback. I'll see you shortly in a new episode. Coming up on 5-Minute News. I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.